good evening. It's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. And on the show tonight, we'll be looking back over the the year, and that includes the Boxing Day, King George and the Welsh Grand National. And of course we'll have all our usual guests here, including Jamie Snowden, Richard Phillips, Gavin Sheehan, Colin Brown and Dave Wilson. So sit tight, strap in, get your notebook and pen ready, and hopefully we can give you some more winners. Well, good evening and welcome to the show. Let's not waste any time and get straight over to our man with all the news, and that's Mike Patton. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News. With all the news that is the news from the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Patton. Welcome to this week's news, and here is our first story. The biggest crowd for a Welsh Grand National since 2016 has buoyed officials at Chepstow, who believe racing standing with government now matches rugby and football thanks to relationships built during the pandemic. Racegoers returned to the fixture for the first time since 2019 after no crowds were permitted at the meeting two seasons ago. Last year's late COVID-19 restrictions resulted in the public being locked out of Chepstow's most popular event for the second year running. But a bank holiday crowd just shy of 10,500 was present on Tuesday to see the two Amigos triumph, a figure that bettered the 2018 and 2019 totals from the corresponding days. Phil Bell, the track's executive director, said on Wednesday... The crowd was very good and hospitality was the strong point. We had 1,100 in there, which is the best we've had at the Welsh National. The Welsh have bounced back after two years without crowds. We lost the meeting in 2017 because of the weather, so it's had a slightly chequered recent history, but I didn't lose confidence that would affect numbers. It's a very strong handicap at a great time of year and people have responded. It's heartening the day is still high on people's agendas in this part of the world. If you looked at the day, you wouldn't have thought there was a cost-of-living crisis. But I've long thought people will find the money for bigger events, be it Wimbledon or a Grand Prix. People like big events, and the Welsh National is ours, and we're grateful for people's support. Chepstow is part of the Arena Racing Company, and Bell, mindful how some of the lesser midweek meetings might fare against the economic backdrop, hopes the organisation's advanced ticket packages for 2023 will help during a forthcoming period he says will be challenging. He also expressed optimism for the future of racing in the region. He said, There are two things with our relationship with the Welsh Government following Covid. One is the financial support, which was significant, but on a wider level, we have a much better relationship with them than we did before the pandemic. They were helpful with grants and covered the losses from last year's Welsh National Meeting. But it was more than that. And during Covid, we joined in calls with football and rugby about rules and restrictions, which helped our position. I'm not saying we weren't treated seriously before Covid, but we're now viewed by the Welsh Government as being as important as rugby and football. We had Dawn Bowden, a Deputy Minister for Arts and Sport, come to Chepstow this year. Would that have happened five years ago? I'm not sure. The BHA's Jack Barton has helped create a cross-party group in the Senate and we've now some presence in Parliament and racing is far more prominent on the political agenda in Wales, which can only be good. Chepstow staged eight races on Tuesday, but Bell thinks that will revert to seven next year, although no major tweaks are envisaged for the course's flagship afternoon. He said, It's a shame the rain came and took the edge of it for our customers. But what can you do about that? 
We had more wet weather cover this year than before, so that's something to look into for next year, and racing was good. I was pleased with the finale, bearing in mind it had lost its Grade 1 status. We had a decent winner in Comfort Zone, whose form is there with the Triumph Hurdle favourite, Lossy Mouth. Next, here on the Racing News. Joe Tizard was proud of the performance of the Big Breakaway in an emotional Welsh Grand National run in memory of his sister Kim Gingell and is now considering a shot at the Big One at Aintree. The seven-year-old finished a length and a quarter behind the two Amigos and was in contention for most of the race, along with fourth-place Trucker's Lodge, who was ridden by Gingell's son, Freddie. The Tizard family won this race with Native River and Elegant Escape when Gingell daughter of former trainer Colin, was a key part of the training operation. She died of cancer aged 43 in May 2020. Joe Tizard said, We'd have liked to have won it, but it's lovely. I'd been planning this all season and he's run right up to scratch. But we weren't quite good enough on the day. I'm proud. The big breakaway was carrying almost two stone more than the two amigos, and this represented a return to form for the one-time leading novice chaser, who fetched €360,000 Euros in 2019. This was his first start in a big field staying handicap, and connections could now aim him at the Grand National, for which he is now as short as 20-1. to Tizard added, that was a huge run, and he's been beaten by a consistent horse in these types of races. I thought we had a chance coming to the last, but he's run his heart out under that sort of weight. He travelled really well, and he's done everything right. That was the best run of his life. We can't fault him. We'll have a break now, and I'll probably try to talk his owners into running him in a national. I'd like to, and it looks like these staying races suit him. Trucker's Lodge, ridden by Freddie Gingell for trainer Paul Nichols, faded out of contention in the home straight and was fourth, beaten just over 28 lengths. You've been listening to this week's edition of the Racing News, with all the news that is the news from across the racing media, including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden, may I wish you all a very happy new year and thanks for listening. Join us again next time here on the Racing News. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the racing news. Well, that was Mike Padden with all the news, and now let's see where we can go racing this weekend. Okay, then on Saturday there are seven races on the flat at Lingfield on the all weather with an 11:50 start. Seven races over the jumps at Warwick with an 11:55 start. Seven races over the jumps at Utoxeter with a 12:03 start. Uh, seven races over the jumps at Newbury. 12.10 start and seven races over the jumps at Pudgestown and Arden with a 12.15 start and on Sunday of course there's the big meeting at Cheltenham where there are seven races over the jumps with a 12.10 start seven races over the jumps at Exeter with a 12.20 start six races over the jumps at Musselburgh with a 12.25 start six races over the jumps at Fakenham with a 12.35 start Six races over the jumps at Catterick with a 12.40 start. And seven races on the flat at Southall on the all-weather with a 2.16 start. Now, we all know Boxer Day is about the King George. But for those of you who may have missed the big race, here's a brief rerun of the King George. And a few other little snippets we've put in for you. So, we're going to start with the aforementioned King George. King and they're off. For the Grade 1 Labyrinths, King George, and they race over 3 miles and 18 fences. Rode on to the outside towards the inner is Ahoy Senor, and between those two is Lompresse with Royal Pigai out wide together with Brave Man's Game as they rise at fence number one. The back marker was Envoy Allen as they go quickly on towards fence number two, and it's Frodon who will have the lead. Frodon over the open ditch to Ahoy Senor on the inside. A slight mistake by the grey Eldorado Allen in midfield. They're all safely over fence number two. Miller's Bank has now been relegated to be last. So they're on the turn which takes them towards the back straight and Frodon has the lead. Racing keenly as Ahoy Senor to the inside rail in second. For company he has Lompresse in a very close third with Brave Man's Game around the outside. He's been followed next by Royal Pagai on the inside Eldorado Allen 
and then Hitman with on the inside Envoy Allen and the back marker is Miller's Bank as they rise at fence number three and Frodon has the lead and a clear lead there of a couple of lengths as they went over that fence. Royal Pagai was not that fluent. Going on now towards another plain one which will be fence number four and Frodon and Briny Frost have got the lead and they were spring-heeled over that fence. They all jumped it well. L'Ompresse moving up on the outside of Ahoy Senor in second and third. Then the orange of Brave Man's Game out quite wide on the course as they now go towards the first of the open ditches. Frodon really reached for that towards the rear of the field. Envoi Allen wasn't too fluent and he's now been relegated to last once more. On now towards the next, which is the sixth. Frodon led to L'Ompresse on the outside of Ahoy Senor. And they're then being followed by Royal Pagai, and out wide is Brave Man's Game as they go into the turn. Next is Hitman with Eldorado Allen the Grey up against the inside rail. Miller's Vank is out wide, and still the back marker is Envoy Allen as they make the turn inside the final two miles of the Labrooks King George, and it's Frodon, the 2020 who's out in front, to L'Ompresse, who is in second. Ahoy Senor on the inside, just third. Out a little bit wider, Brave Man's Game in fourth. Between those two is Royal Pagai. And then Eldorado Allen towards the inside with Hitman, who's got the white nose band. Out wide is Miller's Bank, and still the back marker is Ambois Allen. They go on now towards fence number eight, the middle one in the home straight, and Frodon still leads. Frodon jumped it well all safely over as they come up towards halfway. They'll pass the stands after the next fence, which will be fence number nine, the Labrooks King George, and Frodon still leads the Christmas parade. It is Frodon who is out in front. Ahoy Senor jumped it in second. Royal Pagai is in third with stable mate on the outside. L'Ompresse racing in fourth. In fifth is Brave Man's Game, followed by Eldorado Allen, who's on the inside of Hitman, and then Miller's Bank, and then Envoy Allen, who's last of the nine, and at the moment racing about seven lengths off the leader, who continues to be... It was Ahoy Senor on the inside, who was just ridden around that turn by Derek Fox. He's back on the bit once more now. So through the starting point and through halfway, going now towards fences 10 and 11 on the side of the course. And Frodon leads the way to L'Ompresse on his outside. Then very wide, Brave Man's Game with Ahoy Senor and also Royal Pegai as they went over the next. Eldorado, Allen and Hitman followed by Miller's Bank and still waiting with at the back of the field is Envoy Allen. They go now towards another ditch, Frodon by about three parts of a length and a bad mistake by Hitman. Hitman blundered badly at the ditch, fence number 11. He's now been relegated to almost last. They go into the back straight, going inside the final mile, and Frodon still leads to L'Ompresse towards his outside in second. Still a wide trip for Brave Man's Game. Up against the inside rail, Ahoy Senor with Royal Pagai racing between rivals. The next wave, Hitman trying to recover from that blunder with on the outside Miller's Bank. On the inside and now being driven along is Eldorado Allen and the back marker Envoy Allen as they go now over the first one taken down the back straight. L'Ompresse slightly out to his left over that but it's still Frodon who leads the way to L'Ompresse in second. Brave Man's Game getting a little closer now in third position. Over the next one down the back L'Ompresse reaches for it and again he jumps out left-handed. Going now on towards the final open ditch. Frodon still leads, L'Ompresse in second, Brave Man's Game, and then Ahoy Senor who races towards the inside as they go over that open ditch, and it was Frodon who led them over it, and now they begin to get strung out in behind him as they go towards the final fence taken down the back straight, Briny Frost and Frodon, L'Ompresse to within a neck over in second, Brave Man's Game a length and a half away in third, Ahoy Senor in fourth, Royal Pigai is driven in fifth, three lengths away, Eldorado Allen is now in sixth, then Hitman in seventh, in eighth place is Miller's Bank, and Envoy Allen is still last and laboring at the back of the field as the field for the Labrooks King George make the turn for home. Frodon digging in towards the inside, L'Ompresse on the outside, and wider still is Brave Man's Game. A break of four lengths back to Royal Pagai up against the inside rail. L'Ompresse led as they took the third from home. Brave Man's Game has now moved into second and looks a big and persistent danger. Then Frodon and then Royal Pagai. Two out in the King George. L'Ompresse over on the far side, on the near side. Brave Man's Game. They've now gone eight lengths clear of the rest. A private duel between Brave Man's Game and L'Ompresse.
say, and Brave Man's game begins to win the duel as he jumps the 18th and final fence. Down in second is Lombrete, who blunders and unseated his rider, and it is Brave Man's game to give Paul Nichols a record 13th win in the King George. Brave Man's game has won the King George. Royal Pig Eye was second, Frodon was third, and in fourth was El Dorado Allen. Wow, what about that? 13 King Georges for Paul Nichols. Fantastic achievement and a great trainer. Now before the King George we had Constitution Hill. Now then, is this a wonder horse or what? Have a listen to what he did. Great ones, here's Mark. And they're off. This is the Grade 1 Labrooks Christmas Hurdle over two miles. Highway 102 is the first to break the line. Out wide, Metier racing alongside Constitution Hill. On the inside is So Royal, the back marker, the Mayor Epitant, as they rise at flight number one, Highway 102. Leads here by about a length and a half, Constitution Hill, who took it in second. He was more fluent than Metier on the outside in third. So Royal and then Epitant as they go now towards flight number two. Highway 102 comes to it with a lead of around about a length, Constitution Hill closing up now to within a length. Then Metier racing in a very close third, the last duo, Epiton, on the outside of So Royal, and they have a circuit to go in the Labrooks Christmas hurdle. And it is Highway 102 and Jamie Moore who takes them into the turn, followed by Constitution Hill, Nico de Boinville in second, Metier, Jonathan Burke out wide in third, then towards the inner, So Royal, Sam Twist and Davis, and the back marker, the dual winner of this race, Epiton, and Aiden Colt racing on now towards flights three and four. Highway 102 to the inside of Constitution Hill. Now a little wider Metier now joining in as they now go towards this flight. There'll be little between Metier and Highway 102 with Constitution Hill between them. And then Epitant on the hills of Metier and on the inside is So Royal. On now towards halfway, flight number four. Constitution Hill jumped that one well and he just noses the lead on the inside highway 102. There's little between them as they take the turn, which brings them towards halfway. Highway 102 against the rail. Constitution Hill towards his outside, now a neck away in second. There's then two and a half lengths back to Metier on the outside of Epitant, and up against the inside rail is So Royal. So they've headed through the halfway point inside the final mile, and they're closing up now as they approach the, the fourth from home. Constitution Hill on the outside of Highway 102, and these are still the first duo. Metier out wide of Epitant, so Royal towards the inside as they rise at the next flight of hurdles. Constitution Hill on the outside of Highway 102. The mistake came from Epitant there, who landed rather side on, but she has moved into third place. Then so Royal and Metier being niggled along at the back of the field. They're going now on inside the final three quarters of a mile and approaching the third from home. Constitution Hill on the outside of Highway 102 as they rise at three out. Constitution Hill, a beautiful jump. It carries him into a lead of three parts of a length over Highway 102, who's now ridden. Epitant trying to get to within a couple of lengths in third. And these three have now have gone five lengths clear of So Royal, who in turn is four lengths in front of Metier. They begin to make the turn back towards home. Racing now well inside the final half mile of the Labrooks Christmas hurdle and Constitution Hill is cruise control around the outside to take the lead by a length to Highway 102 in second. Epitant in third about to challenge for second place as the Nicky Henderson duo are about to go 1-2. They've made the turn in. Constitution Hill towards the near side. Epitant stays towards the far side. There's still a length between them as they rise at the second room home. Constitution Hill didn't get very high there, a mistake, but his lead is three lengths now over Epitant in second. Then Highway 102 as they race towards the final flight. Constitution Hill readily pulls clear. The lead is extended to eight lengths as he comes over the final flight. He jumps it well. Epitant over in second. Highway 102 is in third. He's never come out of second gear here. Constitution Hill virtually in a common canter to take the grade one Labrooks Christmas hurdle. Constitution Hill without breaking sweat. Epitont in second. Big run in third from Highway 102. Immediate reaction. Well, that was just a procession, wasn't it, really? Absolutely fantastic. 
What a horse. Next up, we've got Paisley Park. For the first time, he's ridden along by John Joneal Jr. The lead is a length and a half over Goshen and Jamie Moore in second. Paisley Park is rallying to the course, and he's staying on Braden Coleman. So they're racing down towards the final two flights. Champ at two out, led by only a length to Goshen towards the near side in second. Only two lengths away is Paisley Park, and he's still continuing to stay on his ears. The crowd, it's Champ who has got the lead. Paisley Park now has come through on the inside. Paisley Park leads in the final flight. Paisley Park has gone on to Champ in second, wandering towards the near side rail. Goshen is held, and it's Paisley Park. This sprightly 10 year old is going to win his third long walk. Paisley Park, a brilliant performance by Paisley Park and Aiden Coleman. Which just goes to show you just can't write off Paisley Park, can you? What about old Time Hill? He certainly turned it on today. Star, novices chase grade one, and it is McFabulous who has got the lead. His old rival, Time Hill, has moved into second, having been given a very patient ride by Tom O'Brien. But it is McFabulous who has the lead as they turn in, and now they come down towards the third from home. McFabulous on the inside, quick and nimble. The lead was just over a length to Time Hill in second. Mortlack now looks held in third. Racing inside the final quarter of the mile and Time Hill moves up stylishly up on the outside. Time Hill has jumped the lead over the second from home to McFabulous in second. And then there's a break of 20 lengths back to Mortlack in third. Inside the final furlong, the final fence in front of Time Hill. He is at it now. He's over safely. He jumped it big and bold, and he's clear now by eight lengths and driven out towards the line. It is Time Hill for Philip Hobbs and Tom O'Brien, and Time Hill has taken the Labrooks Cordos. And now over to Chepstow for the Welsh Grand National. They're off for the Coral Welsh Grand National of 2022, run in memory of Kim Gingell. And the big dog in the nose band down on the inner is prominent as they arrive at the first of 23 scheduled fences. Django hit it quite hard, red jacket, and uh, gets an early bit of encouragement as well from Dave Noonan. And now the small matter of two circuits ahead of them. And ask me early, in the very early stages, the grey is not travelling. He's detached by four or five lengths, and he just hasn't warmed up through the first quarter of a mile. Got a bit of a downhill run to try and get some air in his lungs as the big dog and the two amigos and the maroon silks push the early pace along with Fantasticus and the black and white. And then Regina Draconi, his light blue jacket with the darker sleeves just in behind the leaders. The galloping bear in the raw blue under Ben Jones is close up. Wayfinder white sleeves racing on his far side. Then would you be well over the black cap mid-division. Time to get up on the near side, the white cap. Racing alongside Truckers Lodge, Freddie Gingell in the emerald green silks. And Joe Tizard's the big breakaway is alongside he, red cap on the far side as they turn down the back. Then Fortescue in the green and orange to Cyclops. Still asked me early, uh, detached by four or five lengths. Not going early at all, but a long way ahead of them as they take fence two. Move the chains and a yellow jacket is in rear with Musical Slave and Django who made that mistake at the first. And at this stage, quick wave is towards the outer of the field. Dark colours, you might just see the red sleeves alongside Fortescue in rear, the orange and green for Fortescue. As they've taken the first, the ditches safely, and already over the fourth they go, led by the two amigos, and once more, Ask Me Early is the last to land, and he hasn't made any significant inroads on the others as they head towards the end of three quarters of a mile. And it's the two amigos with Regina Draconis jumping up into second. The big breakaway with the red cap is a close third. Wayfinder then racing on the far side. The noseband of the big dog on the near side of the galloping bear. And then time to get up. Fantasticus and a black eye jacket. He jumped off handily, drifts back into midfield. Django makes another mistake there. Fortescue is last but one in the main group. Move the chains with him in the yellow silks. Ask me early continues at the back of the field as they begin the run downhill out of the back straight for the first time. And over fence seven, again, Django was very untidy and he belted it halfway up and quick wave in the still very early stages is ridden with uh, great restraint and has only got about three behind as they freewheel into this next left-hander. And it's the two amigos, runner-up in the race months ago, and a bold early bid to go one better. With the big breakaway at his quarters, the big dog against the running rail, and fellow Irish raider Regina Traconis in the blue silks out wide. 
and then Wayfinder, followed by Time to Get Up against the fence and the Galloping Bear in the raw blue. And a couple of lengths to Trucker's Lodge in an emerald green jacket from Cyclop and Fantasticus, a musical slave. You might just see the white star on the cap. To Quick Wave and Would You Be Well and then Move the Chains. Fortescue is a little off them at this stage with Django. And Ask Me Early continues in last place as they arrive at fence eight, the first of a line of five up the straight. So all 17 still in competitive action as they move on towards another open ditch, fence nine of the schedule 23. It's the two amigos in the maroon narrowly to the big breakaway on the near side. Cyclop made a juddering mistake there. It's knocked him back into the last group of three as the two amigos leads the big breakaway midway up the straight to the big dog and then Regina Draconis who will rise in fourth just ahead of time to get up and the galloping bear in the cheap pieces away to the left wayfinder quick wave in the black and red second from the left just inching a little bit closer now next fence brings them to the end of their first circuit in the coral welsh grand national cyclop is now last ask me early the gray has managed to make up one position and they're moving on towards fence 12 it's the two amigos the big breakaway the nose bounded the big dog on the inner regina draconi's jumping well on the near side time to get up the white cap for John Joe Jr. in about fifth place as they prepare to embark upon one further circuit. Then Trucker's Lodge and the Galloping Bear to Would You Be Well and Quick Wave. Wayfinder White Sleeves begin to lose ground. Fantasticus in the black and white on the inner. Then Musical Slaves move the chains in the yellow silks has got three behind. Ask me early, the grey is one of them. He's alongside Fortescue and after that bad mistake up the straight, Cyclop is last of all. So they prepare to meet rising ground and they make the run now towards the first of the fences in the back straight once again. Django is being pulled up with a circuit to cover. He tried to take every fence with him on the first circuit and he won't be going any further. So Django's out of the race and it's the two amigos who leads the big breakaway and the nose banded the big dog. Time to get up is two lengths away in fourth. Then Regina Draconis. Freddie Gingell in the emerald green has got Trucker's Lodge pretty handy. About sixth starting off across the far side to the galloping bear racing on the far side. Near side fantastic as Wayfinder has dropped right out. Not sure how much further he's going to be going as the leaders press on towards fence 13. The two amigos hopping over in front. Wayfinder has indeed been pulled up. Fortescue is now the last of those still going. Cyclop has just about managed to move past him. Another open ditch. The two amigos, Regina Draconis, the faller there. And mildly inconvenienced Quick Wave, who had to take a smart bit of evasive action as the two amigos leads at the midpoint in the back straight for the second time. Cyclop is tailing off. Fantasticus is making hard work of it. Fortescue has been pushed along for a while and having been pushed along at the start, the grey Ask Me Early is now beginning to pick off one or two and he was certainly more fluent through the air there uh, than Quick Wave, who's last of the main group. So two more fences to jump in the back straight. They're heading for the last mile in the Coral Welsh Grand National. It's the two amigos from the big dog, the big breakaway with the red cap. And then uh, towards the far side of those, time to get up. Trucker's Lodge still very much in the thick of the action, going up to dispute fourth, the emerald green. Move the chains in the yellow has made ground from the rear, but he was a bit tight to that one. The galloping bear is pushed along in the cheek pieces, alongside Would You Be Well. They're getting more and more strung out in behind. Quick wave has got Plenty on from there as the two amigos and David Pritchard lead them out of the back straight. Just over three quarters of a mile to travel. They've got five more fences left to jump. The two amigos with the big dog's nose bounded head just second. The big breakaway bustled up alongside him. The galloping bear in the raw blue has put his nose up into fourth. Trucker's Lodge poised on the inside. Time to get up the white cap up between them. Then three lengths to move the chains. Would you be well as clinging on to their coattails? The a big break then to ask me earlier musical slave quick wave has been uh, pulling up fortescue is continuing to toil on but it's the two amigos on towards five out into the wings of it narrowly to the big dog who's coming up to have a crack at him under his welter burden the big breakaway took it in third then truckers lodge in fourth and they make their way now towards the last of the ditches this is four out the big dog with a big leap went alongside the two amigos the galloping bear was a faller when looking held back in fifth they still got three fences to jump in the coral welsh grand national the two amigos and the big dog locking horns five lengths ahead of the big breakaway who's back 
back in third, a long break to Truckers Lodge. Heading now towards the second last. It's the two amigos very pluckily. More fluent there than the big dog who hit it halfway up. The big breakaway is giving very game chase back in third. They've got one left to jump in the Welsh National. It's the two amigos. The big dog on the near side. The big breakaway snapping at their heels. The two amigos. Is this his date with destiny? The big breakaway is staying on powerfully. A hundred yards to go. The two amigos head back low in grim determination and this year it's his turn the two amigos wins the Coral Welsh Grand National the big breakaway is second third the big dog Truckers Lodge got round so to move the chains would you be well and musical slave and they're going to be the only finishers here's a brief roundup of the major action over the uh, Boxing Day and Christmas period and obviously we've got the New Year period coming now with a major meeting at Cheltenham coming so shortly. But in the meantime, don't forget to join the Coral Racing Club. It's free. Yeah, free. You get to visit the yard, you get a chance of some free race day tickets, you can be part of the action at the track, you can talk to the jockey and follow the horses throughout the season. It's well worth getting involved with. And uh, if you were on the show a couple of weeks ago, we had Simon Clare on telling us all of the advantages. So have a look at their website, and uh, I'm sure you'll be inclined to uh, join up. I certainly have. Well, now it's a chance to catch up with Richard Phillips, who's uh, not only had a look at uh, the forthcoming meetings over the New Year period, but he's also looked back over the whole year for his high spots and low spots. So here's Richard Phillips. Good afternoon, Richard. I hope you've had a very pleasant Christmas. Yeah, good Christmas, thanks. Yeah, interesting stuff as ever, uh, Boxing Day racing, but yeah, um, had a good Christmas, thank you. Good, that's okay then. Well, it's been a you know, pretty good year generally racing-wise. What, what are your sort of highs and lows in terms of memories of the racing and, you know, the, the good ones and the bad ones, if you like? Well, plenty of highs, I think. Not many lows. Obviously, the sad passing of Her Majesty the Queen. We've lost our greatest supporter there, but I think her memory will live on for many, many decades and being a great lover of racing throughout the world and a lover of the thoroughbred. So not really many um, bad things for 2022. There are many good things. Sheldon, mm -hmm. Aplutard, a great winner, um, of the Gold Cup and Honey Supple, of course, winning the champion hurdle. Uh, but we had a superstar in Constitution Hill winning the novice, the supreme novices, and he looks like an a, a, a absolute star. Uh, Noble Yates won the Grand National, of course, uh, a novice winning that, and he looks like being a Gold Cup horse. Um, and then, of course, we had the flat racing with the Guineas. We had Caribus, a very good winner of the, uh, of the 2000 Guineas, and St. Joseph's Palace at Ascot, sadly, he, he went and broke his leg uh, when running in France. Uh, that's, a, that's a sad point. But Cachet won the 1,000 guineas for George Bowie. He launched himself onto the uh, classic scene. And, of course, we had Desert Crown, a good win in the derby. We haven't seen him since, but hopefully, as a four-year-old, got something to look forward to there. And, of course, Tuesday winning the, winning the Oaks, uh, just doing Emily Upjohn, who looks like a very nice horse uh, for this coming season as well, 2023. Emily Upjohn looks like a, a real player in the big mile-and-a-half races. A uh, great moment was Pile Driver winning the King George uh, for Willie Muir. One of the, as we say, smaller yards going winning a Group 1 was great. Um, and at Royal Ascot, we had Kiprios, who looks like a brilliant stayer from the Aiden O'Brien. And then Elder Off winner for Roger Varian. And Champions Day was a, was a great one. Uh, unfortunately, another down as a Baye didn't win on the ground that he really didn't like. But Baye was easily the horse of the year for me. He really was a superstar. Won Lockinge and went on the one at Ascot and Goodwood. And of course, at York, he was sensational. So there's hell of a lot to thank uh, 2022 for um, on the flat and jumping wise as well. So um, we've got two roles for next year. We've got August Rodin, who looks like um, a very good horse. Chaldine of Andrew Baldings. And we've got um, commissioning of John Gosden. She looks a very good filly as a three-year-old. And, of course, it'll be Frankie de Torre's last year as a jockey. So we've got all that to look forward to, his sort of final year, and there'll be a lot of publicity around that. 
And of course, recently we've had Constitution Hill and Brave Man's Game winning on King George Day. So um, all in all, it's been a, a really good year, I think. Not every year is a, a classic year for jumping and flat, but I think 2022 has been a really good one. going to be sad to see Frankie Dettori uh, knock it on the head, really. I mean, I know he's got another season to go, but uh, he's such a character and he's so sort of you know, ingratiated into... Uh, flat races, it's, it's going to seem odd when he's not around really, isn't it? Absolutely, he does choose his sort of races these days, so he's not been around as much as he has been, but of those big meetings and the derby, he's the only jockey the world's heard of, to be frank with you mm. a lot of people in the horse race, the whole world's based around horse racing, it's not, and a lot of people don't follow the sport, but one name they do know is Dettori, and mm. he's been an incredible ambassador for the sport of course, captain of Question of Sport on the BBC, which did help as well, Yeah. So he's he's gone over the barriers of other sports as well. Frankie Joy is such a character we greatly miss. But you'll carry on, I'm sure, being a part of the racing game. So, but Frankie, um, yeah, final year. We've just got to celebrate his incredible, incredible achievements. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're going to miss seeing the old flying dismount. I must say, <laughs> because well, I, th I think everybody's waiting old. for him to fall off, aren't they, or to muck it up? But he never does. I think the day he thinks he won't do it properly, um, he won't try and do it. But I think it's probably his final year of flying dismounts, as it were. But yeah. he'll be practising at home now, knowing him. <laughs> but uh, he's an incredible athlete. He really is one of the great athletes, never mind jockeys, of mm. all time. Of course, um, his father was a champion jockey in Italy, and his mother, of course, was um, worked as a circus. She, was, you know, yeah. you know, she had incredible balance. She was a, an incredible, you know... Um, balancing act as it were so and he is an incredible balancing act on a horse his balance is amazing mm. and everyone throughout the world realizes what an incredible jockey he is and it'll be something to celebrate it certainly will be yeah. and i think hopefully in a clear year he'll ride some big winners and it'll be a great way to go out and i'm sure he'll be in the racing game for many years to come after that you mentioned her majesty the queen or the death of her majesty the queen um do you think uh, King Charles is going to get involved as much? I know that uh, the Queen Consort has got a few horses here and there, but I mean, um, do you think there's going to be quite the intensity about the whole operation? I think the Queen Consort is a huge fan of racing, both flat and jump racing. So uh, the Royal Studs will certainly continue. And John Warren, uh, the Queen's racing manager, has done an incredible job building up the bloodlines to really compete at the highest level. And I think, uh, bless the Queen Elizabeth II, she, what really did her enormous pleasure was to see her breed these winners to a greater level than she had done in previous decades. So she'd been working very hard at that, Her Majesty, and I think King Charles would be the first to know that he would have, his mother would have wanted him and the royal studs to continue doing that. And I'm sure they will go on for many years to come. So, uh, and Queen Consort being... You know, a huge fan of the sport. Um, I'm sure she'll ensure that um, that the Royal Studs will be breeding many winners for decades to come. Yeah, well, here, here to that anyway. I'm sure everybody else would agree with that. But looking, uh, we're, we're at uh, New Year's Day uh, very shortly. Um, well, and New Year's Eve, of course. Um, what do you make of the racing over the weekend? Well, uh, we've had some fantastic racing in Ireland recently. We better mention that you know some. Great wins, Galapan, uh, Manil, sorry, um, won the Grade One this week. Uh, State Man looks like a champion hurdle horse to take on Constitution Hill. Certainly, Fasar Vega looks an incredible novice. We've had some great winners, but we've got a lovely novice hurdle at Newbury on New Year's Eve. Um, the Chalo, which always throws up a good horse or two, and Hermes Allen, who's very impressive, winning at the Cheltenham uh, meeting. Earlier in the year, Hermes Allen looks like um, a decent horse in the making, an attacker of uh, Nicky Henderson's that takes that one on, hopefully. So that's an interesting one on New Year's Eve at the Shallow Hurdle. And then, of course, we've got the Dipper Novices Chase at Cheltenham on New Year's Day. We've got Beauport and Montmorel. So Beauport's a decent horse, I think. Slightly disappointing last time, but I think better horse than that. But uh, Montmorel always looks like going to be a chaser with a decent hurdler as a, as a novice. And just lost way, his way a little bit over hurdles, but now looks as though Montmorel will be a decent chaser. So that's a, that's an interesting uh, novice chase, the Dipper. And of course, we've got the um, Rel Keel hurdle, a Grade Two 
um, two and a half mile hurdle uh, on New Year's Day as well, with lots of interesting horses in there, um, include, including I Like to Move It, um, the Twist and Davis camp, and uh, Brewing Up a Storm is in there as well. So um, plenty to look forward to on New Year's Day. Excellent. Well, that's a, a very concise uh, rundown, Richard. Thank you for that. Um, you know, thank you throughout the year for what you've given us on the racing show, and uh, long may it continue. Well, we've got, had a great year, and we look forward to 2023. Um, and again, great thing about following horse racing, there's always something interesting about to happen, and we've got lots to look forward to. So, Happy New Year to all. And to you, sir, and to you, and uh, not too many, though. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> okay, Richard, thanks very much for joining us again and Happy New Year to you and we'll speak to you next week, okay? Cheers, thank you, Adrian. Thank Cheers. you, sir. You're a star. Thank you. Bye-bye then. Well, that was Richard Phillips with his memories of the year that's just about to finish. And now we're going to catch up with Jamie Stout, who's on his way back from Doncaster. Good afternoon, Jamie. Happy New Year to you. Well, nearly anyway. Hi, Adi. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, I hope, um, hope all your listeners had a, a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will, especially listening to the show. That'll make it really wonderful for them. <laughs> um, no, seriously. Um, yeah, it's uh, like Christmas is over now from your perspective. I mean, is, is it a time now to sort of try and get back to normal, normality again now? Yeah, I mean, in, in all honesty, not a lot changes with us, to be honest with you, because... Um, you know, horses still need to be fed, watered, mucked out. You know, exercised. Yeah. Whether it's crisp, whether it's Christmas or Easter. You know, so um, uh, as much as we try and give the guys as the the, the, the team um, as, as much time off as possible, we, you know, the, the the horses still need to be looked after and cared for. So um, it's uh, the, the, it, we treat it like a weekend more so than it than, than like Christmas. Yeah. We're talking to horses, which is what the whole, whole game, name of the game is. Newbury on Saturday, Tar Tallow for Coal, um, Prince's, sorry, Passing Wall, and You Wear It Well. Um, are, first of all, are they running? And secondly, what chance have they got? Yeah, so all, all three are going to run at Newbury. Um, Tallow for Coal, he, um, he won his two novice chases last season really well. He came out um, He came out this season and won um, an intermediate chase on his on his seasonal debut, which was lovely. He's now stepping up in um, into open company. Um, he's obviously won his races and got a, got a high, high rating as a result of that. So... Um, He's he's got a man up, and um, this will be a this will be a big test for him. But um, he's in good order, and he and he looks to improve it. And passing well, passing well, and you wear it well. Both obviously step up in class. They they both run in a Grade One, um, the, the the Chalet two and a half miles at Newbury on on Saturday. Um, both of them are, are, are well. They're two really nice horses, two really nice young horses. Passing well, um, finished second at the Punchdown Festival last year. Came out and won on his hurdling debut for us in in, uh, in the autumn um, so he's um, he looks a really nice horse and, and you wear it well she's won a bumper she won two novice hurdles as she likes and um, and yeah we'll, we'll really find out how, how good the pair of them might be and of course Gavin's riding exceptionally well at the moment he certainly seems to be yeah he is he's obviously he's a, a ta very talented rider and um, yeah you know what it's like in, in sport when you're uh, when things are going well, it's um, it, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, well, he seems to have the knack of. Uh, I love watching him. It's in uh, you know my idea of a, a good jockey on a horse is when he sort of sits in the middle, slowly moves up near the end, and then just romps away at the end. And he seems to have it of doing that uh, all the time, which I think is is if you've got a fiver on it, it's very satisfying. I can tell you. Oh well, well done, you, Eddie. <laughs> anyway. Um, have a good trip home. Have a nice new year. And thank you for everything you've done over the year, Jamie. We do appreciate it. And um, we'll catch up with you next week, if that's all right. Well, that was Jamie Stoke. And a very successful year he's had as well. Right, now it's time to catch up with Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. Afternoon, David. How are you? I'm very well, Adrian. I had a lovely couple of days racing. Uh, went to uh, the King George at Kempton. Had a lovely day out there and then went over to Chepstow in Wales and it did what Wales always does. It rained hard on us. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it was really good and uh, just before the King George, uh, I was standing waiting to cross the parade room paddock and a lady standing next to me looked very nervous and worried and I said to her, are you all right? And she said, I'm just a little bit nervous, she said, I'm Harry Cobden's mum. 
Ah. And we, we're hoping he's going to win and not fall off the horse. So, uh, yeah, I had a nice chat with uh, Harry's mum as uh, yeah. George was approaching and starting, and uh, she was screaming him on when he came over the last on Brave Man's Game, and duly obliged with uh, the Hon Presse falling off at the last. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I think he would have won yeah, anyway, though, don't you? I think Brave Man's Game would have won anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. He was beginning to sort of exert his superiority at that particular point when he came off. So, uh, yeah, definitely. He was, and uh, seeing Constitution heal in the flesh, and jeez, mm. he's, he's some some machine that fella. Yeah. So, uh, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? An, it's a sort of dream, isn't it? If if you could owe something like that, you could go, you could go and pay fifteen hundred quid for him, and and you know, and suddenly have a Constitution in on your hands. What? A, what? what would that be yeah. brilliant, eh? We can dream, though, can't we? We can dream. We can. There we go. Anyway, we've got four for you this week. Uh, we've got three up at Newbury, where I'm planning on going, but I may divert to Warwick because I've got a share in the one that we're tipping up there, so it just depends what happens on Friday racing or where I'll go Friday. Okay. I'll go to on Saturday. So uh, we'll start with the one at Warwick, the one I own a share in. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the three o'clock race there he's called Unit 64 and he's going to be ridden by Lorcan Williams and he's trained by Ben Paulin uh, he's had two runs back from quite a serious injury and he's been second twice he got beaten a photo finish first time at Utoxeter and then he, he got beat a little about seven lengths I think it was by Flan Flan was a uh, 3-1 favourite next time out in a, a lot higher grade race and the horse that finished behind uh, unit 64 that day has come out and won very easily since so obviously he looks a very well handicapped horse and uh, William Hills have opened the betting up in the last hour and he's opened up at 9-2 so I think that's a tremendous price about him and Ben's dropped him back in trip a little bit he says he, he thinks he's a faster horse and he doesn't need to be going over the longer trip he thinks he can win off the front and uh, go from there so uh, that's going to be the first leg of our lucky 15 the 3 o'clock at Warwick uh, unit 64 uh, not too sure I've got the time of that one right it's, it's a 1 o'clock race sorry it's not the 3 o'clock 1 o'clock I can't read my own writing <laughs> so, okay. 1 o'clock at Warwick yeah. 1300, not the 1500 because I, I write like a spider uh-huh. uh, <laughs> unit 64 right I'm going to move over to Newbury for three that I think are absolute bullets of horses that have got great chances on Saturday uh, first one's up in the 12.10 and we've backed her before, Grivatana She's priced up at 9-4 to four at the moment with betting just opened. Harry Cobden and Paul Nichols team up for this one. Improving type. She got beat at Newbury and then she come out and she ran against uh, Nicky Henderson's good horse, First Street. And she ran it to two and a half lengths over course and distance last time out. And the horses that she had in behind her was Teddy Blue, who was second in the Adonis last year in York Sea. York Sea come out on Boxing Day at Fontwell, one by 12 lengths, I think it was. So uh, shows a standard of form that she stepped up to second run at Newbury. And she's in against a lot, ho- lot of horses who are a lot lower grade than what she's normally been running against. So the 9-4 to four looks to be a very good price about Griff Tiana in that 12-10 at Newbury. Righty up. Moving down to the 150, uh, Harry Skelton and Dan Skelton, uh, the brothers team up with a horse called Picar. Now, this was available an hour ago at 9-2, to two, and it's now only 7-2. to two, So the Skelton boys are pumping the money on this one already, and I can see why. He he won last time out on the bridle with, as, as he wanted, and he's got three defeats on his car. One race he fell. One race he finished a length behind Nappers Hill, who has won his last two races off of a handicap mark of 134. And the other race he got beat, and he was only nine lengths behind John Bond, who's 152 rated. Now, this fella's in this in this handicap off of a handicap mark of 130. So he looks to be absolutely chucked in, and I can see why they're pumping the money on him already. So, uh, Picard's a the third selection we got for the lucky 15 in the 150 there at Newbury. Okay, fine. <laughs> Three o'clock at Newbury, Hermes Aran, priced up at the moment at 11 to 8 with Lab Brooks and Corals and a couple of the other firms. 
if you go on to Paddy Power and Betfair, he's actually priced up at 8 to 11. So there's a very, very big difference in the betting markets at the moment. I'm just about to press the confirm bet button with Ladbrokes to give them a big uh, Christmas pay, pay boost. So we'll see what's going on there. Now, Harry Cobden's going to be riding it for Paul Nichols. It's a shallow hurdle race, and the jockey and trainer won this last year with Stage Star. He absolutely destroyed the field last year Stage Star, and I think this horse is ten times better than what Stage Star is. Uh, Alex Ferguson and his friends own it. They only paid £350,000 for it. Is that all? So it was, uh, just a, yeah, just a little cheapy. Mm. Uh, he he come out at Stratford, and he, he won by 27 lengths. Now... The strength of that form, the horse that finished second in its next race has come out of one by 12 lengths. Uh, he, he then went up to Cheltenham and he absolutely bolted up on the bridle at Cheltenham. And he had the likes of, uh, we've, we've all been had and a couple of the other ones, uh, some really good horses was trailing in his wake and he didn't even come off the bridle up there. He looks to be a real serious, serious horse. And I couldn't believe it when I see the 11 to 8 about him today. So uh, I advise anyone that just wants to have a one bet on the day to have your bet on Hermes Allen in the 3 o'clock. But he's going to be the fourth leg of our lucky 15. And uh, we shall hopefully have a nice day there. And he brings home the bacon in the last for us. <laughs> yep, I was only joking, honestly. <laughs> but well. I, I personally do think that uh, at the price of 11 to 8 is worth... A very nice bet of anyone's money. Yeah. I would imagine that when it comes to race time on Saturday, it's going to be four to six, four to seven. Yeah. So, uh, okay. It's just uh, how you do, do, do your betting and uh, only bet to what you've got in your pocket, and obviously you don't overspend on your betting. Yeah, that's right, absolutely. Gambler awareness—that's what they call it. So we want to make sure that's that people it. do that, don't we? Okay, Dave. Well, thank you very much for that, mate. Um, you enjoy your racing over the weekend. I hope the rain stays away this time and you don't get another soaking as you did at Chepster. And uh, we'll speak yeah, to you next week. All being well. Well, that was uh, Dave Wilson from Harlequin Racing. And now we've got his partner in crime, Colin Brown, catching up with us from Sweden again. Well, good morning, Colin, over there in Sweden. What's the weather like today, then? Well, well, I can see sunshine across the lake as I look out our front window. Um, and there's no snow, no frost. It's about five degrees above that. Two days ago, it was about covered in snow, four or five inches. But then it disappeared yesterday. So it's a bit in that, the weather here, actually. But normally, it's pretty cold and quite dark out here actually it doesn't get light about nine in the morning and get dark again about three thirty. so not a lot of um daylight but uh it's long enough to take the dogs out for a good walk and get a bit of fresh air that's about good jolly good so we're going to utoxta first then are we england? what about england what well, the weather what about in england before we go to utoxta yeah well how's the weather it's, it's wet it's wet mate. a lot of rain about a lot of rain and more forecast oh. Yeah. Nothing worse, is there? No, it's awful. It's a little worse. <coughs> Never mind. Um, yes, I think we'll start with Utoxta because on Saturday we've got Warwick, Utoxta, got Lingford on the flat, and we've got some quite nice racing, but um, Warwick and uh, Utoxta, and then the big race, race meeting at Newbury where they have the Grade 1 shallow hurdle, a race that I'm lucky enough to win back in the day, a long time ago, before most of your listeners were probably born. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Before you were born. Um, that's one thing just to, to, to add in. But, uh, yeah, no, there's some good racing up there at, uh, at Utopsa, I suppose you have to say. We've got a maiden hurdle to kick off with. And uh, what wins the maiden hurdle? I don't know. Um, That's not exactly what we want to hear. No, there's quite an interesting running runner, a point to point. Uh, unseated his rider at the last number hurdle at um, Exeter. Oh, I think Trine, nicely bred, and it's called... So known as I could see that running quite well in the first race. John Joe Neal's horse is in good form, and I reckon that one could um, possibly run a big, big race that uh, at Utoxter. I'll stop. Of course, you've had uh, a fair bit of rain in uh, England, so the ground at some of these race meets could be pretty soft. I would say. Um, Going good, Utoxter. It's good to soft. Yeah, amazing. They say good to soft, but. Um, yeah, it is incredible. I suppose we haven't had a lot of rain for a long time, so yeah. it's taken it takes a while to soak in and then it sort of firms up again because it's got to go right back to its sort of well, if you like. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's hard to um, 
it's uh, it's hard to um, to know uh, what the ground's going to be in place. But in the um, one forty three at Utoxter, there's a horse called Blue Stello. It there was second in the point to point, and then it was just beaten in November. One of Henderson's, Henderson's it is. It was um, what happened? I think it lost the race. To be perfectly honest, um, it's called Blue Stello. Unanswered prayers. It was uh, it was up against. Yeah, and they turned the result around. I remember that. That was at Warwick on the on Friday night on the fifth of November. But I reckon that's the one to beat. Um, that's the one that will take a bit of beating. Go Dante, the main danger in the one forty three Coxter. So Blue Stello, number eight to beat number number two. Uh, uh, Blue Dante. I think that's probably the uh, the result, if you like. Okay. Um, right. Moving on, moving on. Let's have a look. Internet's a little bit slow this morning. But, uh, oh, here we are. It's up again. Right, there's a horse, Harry Fry, that I think can win the 243. It's a novice handicap chase. It was second to Halden Hill, not at Halden Hill, but at Foss Last, um, the last time it ran. It's got a nice bit of form. It's got a good jockey booking in J.J. Burke. Johnny Burke, I like him as, as a jockey. And this one, I think, looks the one to be. It's owned by Paul Barber, your friend, um, and David Martin. And it's called Lidford Lad. And I think that can win at Utoxter. Number four, Lidford Lad. Righty ho. And then I think we'll move to Warwick. Okay, Warwick it is. Tomorrow. Warwick it is. Warwick it Warwick, is. Warwick, yeah, okay. Which race? Um, we'll just try and have a look at another circuit. Just stick with me a second because my internet's <coughs> a little bit no. But, um, yeah, I'm on at last. Yeah, um, up at Warwick, um, some quite good races. Plenty of runners at Warwick, you know, often the case. Um, but there's a horse that's trained by Henry Daly called Duke of Moravia that's been running quite well, not beaten very far. And um, Which race? This, uh, handicap hurdle at 11.55, I'm afraid, just before noon. Gets it off a mark of 100. Um, that's what it is, a north to 100. I'd say this is his turn today to go win. Duke of Moravia is the one that I'd be on there at Warwick. Okay. We've got a Mayor's National Novices Hurdle, the next race on the card. And uh, there's a trainer called Clive Bootby Brooks, who's got a dual grand uh, a winning point to pointer called Felici, Felici de Marquis. And um, it won a race at Lingfield last time out under Thomas O'Brien. In heavy ground, I, I'd say the ground's probably going to be pretty soft at Warwick. It said soft, but it could get softer. And wouldn't be the biggest surprise if that didn't uh, go and run a big race uh, again. And it's called Felici de Marquis, uh, number one, in the 12.25, that is. Okay. 12.25 at Warwick. Some good racing there. You know, plenty of runners at Warwick. The big galloping track wouldn't have been my favourite track when I was riding. I don't know for why, just wasn't really, I don't know. Um, but it is a good old track, a lot of decent horses start off there, and um, you know, it wouldn't be uh, say my favourite, but it, um, it wouldn't be a bad track. Have you ever been there, um, Aidy? No, I can't say as I have. Oh, right, you haven't been many places, really. No, you? not really. Very sheltered life, you know. <coughs> <laughs> sheltered life down there. I suppose just your village in the pub. Mm. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is it, mate. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, we, we try not to be too rude to you too early in the programme. Mock, <laughs> Mock, that's the horse I fancy in the uh, in the two twenty-five. Poundland. Well, hang on a minute. What, what, we haven't got a two twenty-five. We've got a twelve twenty-five. No, two forty-five then. About 2.45. All right, well, I'll settle for 2.45 then, right? Yeah. 
Okay, so where are we then? The 225, yeah? <clears throat> okay. So, 
So the 225 is a Mandarin handicap chase named after that great horse that was trained by Fort Warren and ridden by Fred Winter. Um, it won the French National or the equivalent of, and uh, it made a bad mistake at the first, I think. Fred Winter went up round his ears, ripped the bridle off it, and managed to steer it round by holding on with the reins around its throat almost. <laughs> um, so that was some feat. But this Mandarin handicap chase, quite a good prize money. It's over three miles one. Uh, fair long and a bit more. Um, and I think it could go to the informed Jamie Snowden yard. Horse called Tallo for Cole. Only one at Lickfield last time out. But it's not got bad for. It's an extra winner over three miles on soft ground. And offers a mark of 133. I reckon it's got a chance. So each way bet in this race, Tallo for Cole about 7-1 to one in the 225 at Newbury. And of course he's got right, Gavin so Sheehan on board and he's been having... Consistent run with winners coming up all over the place. So, um, that yeah, had, he's a good rider, Cameron. Me, very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. He's a good rider. Uh, he's a good rider. Getting plenty of rides and plenty of winners. That's what it's all about. Plenty mm. of confidence. That's what you want in this game. You don't, don't want to get knocked back because it knocks your confidence, and it's confidence that wins the races. Um, Ridey O. It's quite a nice horse coming over for the shallow hurdle. Grade one race, I said earlier, I won this race a few years ago. It's a great race to win at Newbury, the Coral Chow Hurdle. Um, horse comes up from Ireland, actually trained by uh, Paul Nolan, called Joyo, Joyo Machine, um, that won at Fairy House last time. That is worth a second look. But the favourite for the race is trained by Nichols, and I think uh, runs in the Alex Ferguson Hales colours. Uh, Jed Mason colours and it won its last year. What won at Stratford? I tell you what, it was a good thing when it won at Stratford. And then it absolutely hacked up at Cheltenham. It cost 350 grand at the Cheltenham itself um, after finishing place in Irish point to points. And I think that's the one that will win. So it's called Erme Allen. That's the one I think will win the Cello Herbal. Okay. Um, and a big price in the a big price in the race. You have to say that also the Cheltenham winner from the stable of uh, Henderson at 10 to 1 must have a bit of a squeak, and that's called Attica. So that looks to me quite a big price. But I'm going to stick. Um, I'm going to stick with um, the horse that I've just given you, and that is Erme Allen for the Sir Alex Ferguson and team. And uh, from the stable of Paul Nichols. Um, okay. I'm perfectly honest. That's your lot. Okay. Thank you very much, Colin. Um, you better go out for another walk after all that exercise now, doing that, exercising your voice. Oh. You know? Yeah, no, I think you're right. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not too many people over here to speak to, so I'm going to exercise my voice too much. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Happy Colin. Happy New Year to all of your listeners to you. Thank you very much. The same to you. In 2023. Thank you. I hope in 2023 we have a cracker. Yeah, let's hope so. Well, we'll speak to you next week. In the meantime, thank you very much for today. Well, that was Colin Brown over there in Sweden, getting ready for the New Year celebrations over there. And, of course, it does bring to an end this week's show. So thank you very much for listening to the show. Please join us again next week, same time, same station. And have yourself a wonderful New Year celebration. And we'll speak to you again next week. But until then, this is AD saying bye for now and have a great New Year. Mm-hmm.